This is the Under Pressure Podcast. Every week, wherever you get your podcasts, we have guests on to talk about their careers from a different angle. So remember to keep up to date with us on Instagram and Twitter at underpressure one underscore and Under Pressure Podcast on Facebook. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast brought to you by the Inner Sanctum, which you can find on all social media platforms as well as you can read all the magnificent stuff uh, that we do on theinnersanctum.com.au. Now, on, on today's show, our, our guest was drafted 30 in the 2010 National Draft, played 84 games for Richmond between 2011 and 2017. Though predominantly a defender, he, snagged, he managed to snag four goals down there in the forward line <laughs> in his career. Uh, Jake Batchelor, welcome to the Under Pressure podcast, mate. Thank you for having me. Uh, I remember all four. I don't reckon many people would remember all of their goals that they've kicked, but it's pretty easy to remember when you can count them on one hand. But uh, thanks for having me, mate. Looking forward to it. No worries. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, just to kick things off, what are, you, what are you doing with yourself at the moment? Uh, I'm a development coach at St Kilda currently, um, in, uh, looking after the, the young defenders and um, I'm the, the VFL senior coach for Sandringham. So a um, bit of a dual role, but... Um, Finding, finding my feet, um, but no, really, really enjoying it. And um, it's it's a little bit similar to, to my last couple of years at, at Richmond in terms of play a fair bit of VFL football. So it's, it's something I, I know well and I'm, I'm comfortable with. And um, yeah, loving it. Hopefully get a, a better season than, than last season. Um, we are nine games last year and we're already winning this year. So fingers <laughs> crossed we can keep going. No, definitely. Do you find it hard sort of doing the two roles or is it you've sort of got a little niche now that you can sort of work out what you're doing? It's only hard if I make it hard. Saints are Saints are great in giving me time away from Saints to put more time into Sandringham and and, and vice versa. So um, it's only hard if I decide that I want to do more than I, more than is required or more than is need, <laughs> needed to. So it's um, yeah, it's a really good role to learn how to delegate and just let empower people just to just to go and um, and grow themselves. So um, yeah, handling it well so far. No, that's fantastic, mate. Good to hear. Good to hear. Now we'll, we'll jump straight in. Um, before before you even got drafted into the AFL, did you have any uh, injuries um, as a youngster before coming in uh, at the elite level? Um, there's there's probably only one that that stands out with me injury wise. It was it was when I was um, it was in my 18th year, so my second year at Danny Sting Race, um, and it was it was the week the week of the the championships, um, the week maybe it might have been the week before, but um, I, I was pretty, I was I was pretty lucky injury-wise, like previously up to that. But I had this incident, and I don't know who it was, but I had this massage on the massage table, and this trainer who I, I've never been so sore getting off a massage table. I thought this is great. How good is this? Getting ready to go, try out for the nationals. Who knows? Probably won't play, but at least I'll get there and train and. Yeah. The next day I woke up and I was in agony and I, I didn't end up getting any scans or anything, but I couldn't do anything for four or five weeks. My, my upper back was just, I couldn't, I was working in an office um, and I, I still remember vividly just walking down the stairs to the car park to, to get to my car to go get lunch or something one day. And I physically couldn't go and drive because I couldn't pull my handbrake up to, I couldn't click the button to, to push it, to pull the handbrake down. So um that changed things for a couple of weeks, but that, that was probably the only real pre AFL injury that I had. And um, 
there's a silver lining. I didn't play the championships where potentially I might have played poorly and I managed to play the Stingrays the rest of the season and play okay and ended up ended up getting drafted. So I see it as a bit of a silver lining and maybe something that was pushing me away from a from a road that probably might not have been ideal for me. So um, I can look back on it and laugh now, but as an 18-year-old, it was not funny. Oh, was it? Yeah, I was going to say, that's not what you want, right on the brink of something pretty massive in, in your life. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Did, did, a, did other teams get put off by it? Like, did it go down on your record or, or whatever that you had issues? Uh, or I don't think so, because I played the rest of the year. I missed four or five weeks and then played the rest of the year yeah. out and, and there, was, there was no issue again. Issue again. So, um, yeah, very lucky, lucky to get through and lucky maybe Richmond just didn't hear about it. Oh, well, that, that's always good. That's always good. We can look back on it now. <laughs> um, well, let's get let's get into the um, when you got drafted. Um, what was what was it like coming into sort of a, a, an elite sort of workspace um, compared to what you've obviously previous previously had? Obviously, not in a um, AFL, yeah. in the AFL system. The the physical aspects was probably easier to go to an AFL club. Like they're they're very yeah. good at managing. They're even better now, but even 10, 10, 10, 11 years ago, they're really good at managing you into pre-season. And rather than at Stingrays, when it's you're the you're the top of the food chain there and you're expected to do everything physically and and not as much help, which is expected. It's not a professional club, but um, going to an AFL program, you've got 15, 20 different people who are all about you. So they're all about managing your bodies and, and building you in, um, nicely. And so that was the physical... Um, induction, I guess, wasn't too bad. Um, so f- from that point of view, and, and then th- they're even good throughout the year. There was a couple of times when I felt general soreness throughout the year and, and just didn't play a game. And, and we do that now This um, at St Kilda still, if like we've still got mm. load management plans for, for certain players. So that's, that's um, it's a smart way to go about it, especially when you're hoping that these players can get 10 to 12 years in the system. Yeah, no, no, definitely, for sure, for sure. Um, take us through your, your first um, experience of an injury when you when you got to to the Tigers. Yeah, round eight um, at was that Eddie had? I think it was called Eddie had back then. Maybe yeah. I don't think it was, only, <laughs> I think it was a little bit later than that. But against Bulldogs, um, I was playing halfback. I was. It was, it was funny. I still remember this game for a different reason, but I was playing halfback and Wilmington was a full forward and every single time I was standing there at the centre bounce, he just kept letting me know that he's going to kill me. He just kept letting me know that there's going to be a knee going in my back. And to this day, I'm still scared of him. Like I, I did my level three with him a couple of years ago and it's there's still that little bit there that's just, I wonder if you remember because I definitely remember and everyone will be the same as a young kid. You remember oh. the first person that yep. yeah, threatens you. Um, <laughs> Uh, that game, I went for a ground ball, a, a, a pass missed me and I went for a ground ball and got bumped at the same time and I got a, got some concussion and just did my AC on my left shoulder and the AC joint and um, it wasn't overly bad, but seven or eight weeks later, I did it again, which required surgery. So that was probably the start of mm. an eight-week period of having to deal with the acute injury straight away and then early days for me, learn how to actually play and train knowing that you're sore and knowing that there's a risk of it yeah. injuring again and without having that past injury history, it was new to me as well. So you've got a lot of people in your corner saying, you'll be fine, do this, do these strength exercises, take a bit of time, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so that was the first physical, 
physical injury, but the the worry throughout the whole time of this is the first time I've ever had it. I've never had an injury in general, let alone a shoulder. And um, I'm a left footer, so left shoulder as well. Is that going to hurt me when I kick it? And mm. I like to jump and mark the ball. Is that going to is it going to be strong enough? So all these thoughts of oh, I was fine two weeks ago. Now I've got to deal with playing this. So that's that was a big that was a big challenge early on. Um, which yeah, I guess everyone's got to go and deal with that at some stage. Oh no, that that's it. I mean, there's obviously many sides to to injuries as well. The, obviously, being early on in your career, how and having never experienced sort of a, an injury like that, how did you deal with it uh, as well on the mental side as well? Did, how how did you deal with um, getting through it? Yeah, I think I think ignorance is bliss as a young kid. There's a lot. The older you get, the more you've the more history you've got to look back on and think, "Well, this didn't work. Go to plan." Or last time I hurt my shoulder, it took this long to come back, and oh no, I've, I've got to go again. And um, being the first time, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'll just take everything as it comes. I still remember the, the rehab program and the the strength and conditioning coaches were really good around. Well, we've had these injuries before, and, and players have missed two or three weeks, and but yours isn't as bad, so we'll, we'll get you. We'll play. We'll tape you up. Um, strengthen it around there as well um but there was there's always the thought of well i'm in my first year of footy do i push through and do everything i can here is there any sort of negative um outcome that that could happen um more severe than missing two or three weeks now versus long term so um yeah the thoughts around now now versus later was 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 pretty high but in footy clubs there's a lot of trust trust because there's a lot of good people that can help you and um and you've got good people in your corner Things are, things are a lot easier. Oh, no doubt. Obviously, there's people there that are obviously at the, the highest end of, of their of their job and they know what they're doing. And obviously yeah. you gotta put you gotta put your hand, gotta put yourself in their hands and and trust what they have to say because that, that they've done the work in trying to um, help all the AFL players, I, I guess, and, and move forward. So when you were doing your your rehab, did you um, sort of gravitate towards anyone or take little bits and pieces from uh, from like your senior players that you were obviously you're a young young player back then did you see anything that the older yeah. players were doing that you sort of grabbed onto and kept in your sort of regime um I think Nathan Foley was going through an Achilles injury at the same time um roughly that roughly at the same time on and I know Cal Moore was in rehab he he had a, a really tough couple of years with his hip injuries multiple mm. surgeries and whatnot and Nothing specific, obviously, because the injuries weren't the same. But just the diligence to, at a young as a young kid, it's well, what's two what's two sets of ten reps versus versus three? Like I'm just I'm basically doing the same. But it's the benefit of having some older players in in the program. Unfortunately, they don't want to be there either. But the, the silver lining is you can work you can work work around them, work with them, and gain some probably perspective and, and understanding of Nana, this is the program, do it to a team, you'll get yourself back back out there as quick as possible. And we've got um Jaron Geary who's he's out of rehab now, but he's been in rehab with a shoulder injury for the last couple of last couple of months. And we've had we've yeah. had players rotate through our unfortunately um, rehab program, whether it's been for two weeks or four months, um, whether it's an ACL with Nick Caulfield or it's just a little a two week hamstring or calf or whatever. The the skills and knowledge that older players can give you, they're always there. It's just whether you're, you've got good enough awareness to, to take them in and take, take the right ones in. That, that's, yeah, that's the thing. You, you got to be, yeah, got to be aware as a young kid and obviously um, be, 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 be switched on, I guess. And yep. 
know that you need to take these things from these guys that have have had that experience as well as all all the uh, doctors and and medicos and everything like that yeah yeah so so how how were you as an overall rehabber yourself were you did you did you move move through things quickly did you take your time we good bad or indifferent pretty much what what type of rehab are we um yeah i was i was quite lucky through my career i didn't have too many injuries in terms of i didn't have many soft tissues that were here's your four four to five weeks stick to this i had i had multiple surgeries and general some back pain for a couple of years that was like a constant manager um i was quite in between i was i was quite anxious playing games when I probably knew that I wasn't ready. Um, but there was times where it was, well, we've done everything we can. Let's just see how, how you go and, and go through that. But from my point of view, I was still hesitant at times to go for a fast ground ball with my back or um, shepherd or tackle or bump someone with, with a shoulder. Or, um, so I was, I was definitely always trying to get back as quick as possible, which I think most people do which I think is incorrect, <laughs> um, especially at an early age. At an, at an older age, when your, your role is to perform highly for the team, I can understand the, the desire to get back and probably the pressure that comes with that. Um, I was lucky that I was just a good role player. So the, the expectation to come back and perform really high probably wasn't there as much. It was, it was mm. come back, yeah, as quick as you can, but still know that you've just got a role to, role to perform. So yeah. Um, I think different scenarios based on where players are at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt. Uh, Obviously it's different for for so many different types of players, but no, you're right. (laughs) Everyone should be taking their time and especially even your longer term injuries, definitely taking your time and not, not moving too quickly through them. I I heard you mention um, the concussion a little bit earlier with the AC joint. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. How how did you, was that, was that your first concussion? Yeah, so that wasn't knocked out or anything. That was just dazed and confused, Mm. I guess, which I think that's how I live my whole life now, but I don't think it's based (laughs) off that. But um, yeah, that was, that was fine. That was, that was nothing over, over, well, it wasn't nothing, but there was no recurring um, symptoms and um, Mm. no subsequent um, concussions from that. So I'm really, I'm really lucky in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Obviously we know what's been going on lately and there's so many players that, Obviously, it's the same ones every single time, which is unfortunate for them. But obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. what is it, Paddy McCartan doing some good stuff um, oh, up at Sydney now? So, um, and obviously, former Saints man, yeah, that, that's yeah. it. So, um, it's great to it's, see. I think it's similar to short term versus long term. You, you get no perspective. You struggle to to gain perspective with a short term injury. Mm. It's the long term injuries, like we've got Nick Caulfield, who's uh, three three months into an ACL rehab, maybe four months now. Mm. the perspective and same with Jade Gresham with his Achilles last year, like they come out of their rehab, different people yeah, with different insights, different understandings, different gratitude, short-term injury. Your mindset is just, I need to get back. Like it's just about football, but the benefits of like, we don't obviously don't want long-term injuries, but the benefit of, of getting them they're far outweigh in the long run yeah. as a person, I think. Um, because you learn a fair bit more about yourself rather than a three to four week hamstring of I've got to do my Nordics or I've got to do my hamstring pills stronger than the last time. Or yeah, maybe you need to relax a little bit more. Maybe you need to focus more on your family or increase your gratitude or, or whatnot. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but same with concussion. The longer you take, the better, the more likely you're going to be to 
yeah, to come back strong. And, and Paddy's done a, a really good job with that. It's great to see him play well. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Having a good start of the season, which is nice. Very good. Um, Very good. Yeah, but it all puts it in perspective, as you said, like the long-term injuries are uh, obviously you said don't want them, but yeah, it does get, give you good perspective and you can focus on some other things that obviously then can help you later on in life and um, it can it can be uh, for the better. So <laughs> touch wouldn't no one gets them, but yeah, obviously those guys are um, working on that stuff, which is, which is good to see and they'll only become better leaders for it as well around the footy club. So you're listening to the Under Pressure Podcast. Next one, um, going into your was was your AC joint the the worst injury that you, you had through your career, or can you take us through your, the worst injury that you had in your in your AFL career? Um, I had a, had a couple. Um, yeah, go go had, through go through multiples if you like. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I'm just so I'm just trying to think the order of them. I'm pretty good at it because whenever I go to get an MRI, you have to write your history down and it generally it's pretty easy, it comes pretty easy. So at the end of that season, I got my AC shoulder rehab uh, yep. uh, surgery. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, or the same off-season period, I got uh, my left and right hip cleaned out. Okay. Um, so arthroscopes on left and right hips and um, yeah, even like 12 years on now, still the flow okay. on effect of getting surgery at such a young age was, is, yeah, it's, pretty clear now what a that it's should be a last option i think as a young kid mm. um but same again and and this is not the club's fault this is not my fault there's no one's fault but it's all right well, let's do whatever we can to get you back for pre-season so it's there's a bit there let's just clean it out a little bit and then we'll make you stronger and that's just how it goes and that's and that's it um so i had those three surgeries at the end of my first season and then i was really good for four or five years surgery wise and um then i for uh, 10 to 12 weeks in a row, so kept subluxing the same the same left shoulder. Um, I'd go into a game and the, the conversation in my head would just be, I wonder what quarter it's going to happen this time. Um, and it got to a point where it was okay because it was it was painful for five minutes. And then I'd go to the bench, sit on the bench five minutes, have my little soup, and I'd get back out and I'm ready to go again. Um, just got to a point where it was just, yeah, and it, I, think, I think it was around 16 or 17 in 2016. It was just, let's go get it done once again so I can come back for preseason next year um so that was a full reconstruction that was a that was a pretty big surgery and um took a bit of time to to recover from that and um and that was that was it for surgeries during my career at the end of my career I got my right hip done again the same sort of surgery um and then uh yeah and that's and that's and that's that so I've had yeah two left shoulder twice and and my left hip twice and my right hip once. So, um, wow. and, and to be honest, I'm probably one of the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, no hands or ankles or knees or anything like that, but um, the flow on probably of a bad hip surgery, not bad hip surgery, but bad hips and surgery at the start of your career. Um, I just, I back pain throughout my whole career. So not sure if they're connected. They might be, they might not be, but um that was probably my number one injury in my career because I could never get through it. It was just always there. It was always lingering no matter what you try. And same with, we see players now and I don't need to name them, but at every club where this player gets back from rehab and he's ready to go, oh, he's done it again. Or he goes again or he's done it, done something else now. And it's, yeah, it's, it's similar in that sense. Um, 
because at the end of the day, you can't, you've got to keep up the standard and expectation of amount of work that you do, amount of uh, intensity that you do it at, because you need to perform this whole thing of AFL is performance, mm. physical performance. Um, and the mental performance side of things is just starting to build now, which is, which is extremely important. So, um, yeah, that was a, a lot of dribble for not much answers, but yeah, I've had five surgeries and, um, yeah, I'll probably have a couple going for the next couple of years as well. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a lot, a lot more than I've had probably. So, um, and still, does it affect the, uh, the old golf swing or anything like that? Or Oh yeah. I've got the ugliest golf swing you'll ever see. Cause I just, I can't move my hips. So, um, well, that's what I say anyway. I'm sure if I go and saw a coach more than once every two or three months, I'll, um, I'll be okay. But, um, it doesn't hurt playing golf. Ah. So that's, that's all that matters. Doesn't hurt. That's a tick in the, in the box for it's sure. It's just the next day. It's just the next day and the day after and the day after. So, um, yeah, priorities, huh? It's worth it to get a hit out there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, going through those those surgeries, did you, um, obviously there was other, there might have been other guys that you sort of confided in. Was there anyone that was always sort of in the rehab, re, around the rehab group or that, that you were always with or did you sort of have a mate that you sort of looked to or? Not really. Like, yeah, I remember I had I had surgery with my housemate roughly at the same time in 2011. Yeah, I think he had an ankle surgery at the same time, and um, like I said before, Cal Moore was in there a fair bit. Nathan Foley were in there a fair bit. So, um, no, not not really to be honest. Because when I had all these surgeries, you then go into your off season and you go away for eight to ten weeks, and you're <laughs> you're in the club every now and then. But it's not. That's why I think to be honest, I think I've. Um, escaped the mental downfall of injuries a fair bit because I've had them away from the club where I haven't had to see my teammates train every session mm. while I haven't had that FOMO, I guess, of not being a part of the group um, emotionally as well and not just physically, but just be a part of the boys and everything because I still got to do that. Yeah. Um, so all my surgeries, besides maybe the Rico in 2016, but um, there wasn't, wasn't too many weeks to go after that. So it was... It was um, a bit of a blessing in terms of compared to other people who do an ACL or a, a long-term injury in round one. And they've got the whole season to actually have to deal with the emotional downfall, I guess, to that. Yeah, no, I was going to say, obviously, um, well, I guess it's a bit lucky in that way that you obviously had the, had the surgeries and then could just go off and do, do your thing and it's yeah. the off-season, so no one's, no one's around and anyway, so yeah. you can just focus on that. But as you said, with the guys that do those, those longer-term injuries at the start of the year and have to keep coming into the club every single day and they're just sitting there doing their rehab on their own, um, it can be, can be quite hard. And I was, um, I was talking to um, Daniel Cross on the last episode and him and Ryan Griffin um, hurt themselves at the same time and they, they had a buddy um, to train with, which was, I think, it, I mean, you never want two guys to get injured at the same time, but it can be very helpful and beneficial to have someone there with you, um, especially going through a season. Yeah, it's hard to show empathy if you have no idea what someone's gone through or if you're not going through it yourself. And that's the number one thing people in rehab need. And that's why our, our, our rehabilitation coach, Marcus Krieger, is he's basically a psychologist and a counsellor because that's what you have to be doing at the same time. It's not, rehab's not just physical. Like, mm yourself or myself could just give here's your plan for the next 12 weeks tick this off tick this off no worries out of here it's it's way more than the physical um rehabilitation so there's trauma that you've gone through and having someone by your side who's probably got six to eight people on average 
every day. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a it's a bloody big job. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's a massive, massive, massive work as well. Massive work. Yeah. Do, do you take what you've learned sort of through your your AFL career, and obviously you got two pretty um, intensive football jobs at the moment. Do you take that and use a lot of that stuff? Um, into the work you do with both the Saints and and the Dragons, with the injury side of things, or in, just in general, injury sides, and even just your experiences within the game. Yeah, so my, my last year at footy really has stuck with me as a coach. In 2017, I played one game of AFL, um, and so I've. That's why I still can very easily see myself as a VFL player. Mm. Um, because that's my most recent um, history with it. And my last year was, yeah, 22 games. And we got to a grand final and had a, had a fair bit of success that year and had a great coach in Craig McRae, um, who still to this day, I'm trying to emulate the, the parts that I loved about him when I was a player into, into my players, because it's a really tricky role in terms of, mm. we're going through this now, you've got, you've got a group of 30 at, um, I've got a th- group of 30 at Sandringham Zebras, who want to play at VFL level. And I've got a group of 40 to 45 who don't want to play at VFL level. So, so trying to, trying to build a connection and, and it's getting there and it's, and it's, it's intentions of everyone, but just the act, the the fluidity of it is that's the hard thing to do. So my my main role is trying to connect those two groups and, and understand and empathize with the, with the AFL list of players that, yep, you don't want to be here. How can I make your your time here more enjoyable um, and more fun? Because I still remember Craig McRae didn't teach me a thing about football. And no disrespect to him, forward line, senior coach, but he was forward line development coach. I had a great assist, uh, development coach in Ryan Ferguson who, who taught me football stuff on game day in particular. But Fly just made me feel really good as a person knowing that I wasn't a wasn't playing AFL and that's that's still my main main goal each each week that I that we play or each training session we go to it's you're not footballers you're people so when when we get our identity mixed up with that we are footballers or that we are coaches and I still have I still do that as a coach so I'm not past that but we've got to keep reminding ourselves that we're people first so when we're yeah. not having our idea of success with our job does not mean that we aren't being successful as a person so just constant reminders to those players and, and allowing them to be themselves, allowing them to fail, enjoying their successes with them is that's, that's my number one. And from that, if we win, great, if we develop great, but if we keep, keep people who are mentally healthy, um, physically healthy and want to be a part of the club going forward, that's, that's success. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And obviously he's doing that at the moment uh, with, with the pies <laughs> after a pretty good start. Obviously he's just brought that same yep. sort of mantra as well. I think he's... No surprise. Yeah, you yeah. saw after the game, after round one, he's celebrating and... So excited. The, the media are just going to do what they want to get in a... Uh, <laughs> no offence to you, sorry, but... you know, like that's <laughs> No, I'm not quite in the media yet, but... Yeah. Um, maybe their names haven't been heard in the media in the last couple of weeks. So they want to get it out there, but he's having fun and he's... Yeah, just he's really grateful. Yeah, no, that that's wonderful, and obviously a, a fantastic mantra to take too. I, sorry, I was, I also think I said dragons before. I meant zebras. So sorry. You did. Did you hear me dropping <laughs> zebras? Yeah. I did hear you drop it in there. I I did mean to say zebras because I knew that was the. <laughs> That's that okay. Right. We have a, We should be called the dragons because I reckon sixteen or seventeen of our list are from dragons in the last two years. So, 
We should be called the Senior Dragons, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe re- a thought um, for, the, for the future. This is the Under Pressure Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Moving through, obviously, you do a lot of work with a lot of young people um, as well. Um, and obviously, you probably give a, a advice almost on the daily with, obviously, the coaching role, both coaching roles, I should say. But someone who's about to get drafted, what kind of advice would you give them, even just even coming into the AFL, even doesn't matter about like injuries and different things like that. What, what would you tell them at, at the very beginning of their career? What's like, what, what are the most important things early on in coming to a, a club? Quickly, just trying to think how to articulate this. Put plans in place so you are uh, emotionally and mentally strong enough to be yourself. The, the hardest thing is you get into an AFL football club and, and I, I felt this and it's, like I said, I think I said earlier, like you're the top of the food chain in terms of age and experience at your, your NAB league or mm. wherever you come from. And then you're going into the bottom. Um, so easy to have your self-worth go with that as well. And just the, all right, I'll let other people just, just, just take control and I'll just sit in the corner and I don't want to stuff up and I don't want to say this because I'm, I'm too scared or whatever. The quicker you can put some plans in place and um, get some real skills in that area around being yourself um, and knowing who you can probably be yourself around versus not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important because you're going to learn how to kick. You're going to learn how to mark. You're going to learn the game plan. You're going to get stronger. You're going to get fitter. You're going to lose skin folds. That's going to happen if you abide by the program. So what is it that you can do outside of the program that is going to help you? And we're seeing that every club is instilled a psychologist who is in charge of a mindfulness program. That's yeah. it. The, the earlier we can get that in and with the NAB League or junior football clubs, it's the, the, the better the better the, the football performance will be. So here the AFL want we want the game to be better. It's the the, the mindfulness side of things and um, the non-physical side of things is what's going to happen. It's when a player does what is required of them, of course they're going to play better at the right time. But when they don't do it, it's not because they physically can't, it's because their brain is somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so the quicker we can get that in, and then you then you're going to have players who want to be there, and coaches who want to be there, and and then the the desire to get back into the AFL, and then the standard lifts will continue to to grow together. So, um, yeah, I, I think the the non physical stuff, everything you can do prior to getting to an AFL club, is is pretty crucial. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Obviously, there's there's plenty of new guys that, that come into the come into the league that feel a little bit iffy and and whatnot. But if you when you find your feet, yeah, it can be. Um, a nice place to be, and I'm sure there's a lot of support. Obviously, the AFL have done a lot of work um, in the in the last few years with with all the um, mental health stuff and and um, all the mindfulness mindfulness coaches and um, psychology and and everything like that. It's, it shows that the game's sort of progressing. Um, yeah. In that, obviously, not we're not fully there yet, and it'll take a long time to be uh, fully there and, and understand the whole sort of. Um, issues around it because there's obviously still players that go around um, with different types of uh, issues that um, that aren't great and um, hopefully these people can sort of um, help and assist um, those guys and um, yeah it's, it's it's one of those things that it'll sort of always linger but hopefully we can um, keep on top and keep keep track of it because it is important as well as we talk so much about the, the physical um, physical nature of the game it, it's, it's arguably more meant the mental side as well because you forget how much um, how much AFL is on the mental side as well as you said you kick at your handball and your mark but 
what about everything that you're thinking prior to the game, post game, during the game? Like it's it's a lot on the mental side, and I think um, yeah, it's quite big. So obviously the AFL is doing a great job in trying to uh, move that forward. Yeah, they are. Yep, mm, definitely. Um, we'll dive into sort of that a little bit more. Did, how how did you sort of um, before a game or, or during a game or post game? How did you sort of mentally help yourself get through a game or um, different things like that? Yeah, this is this is something that I'm trying to pass on to the players in terms of don't make the same mistakes I did in terms of I didn't start the mindfulness until 2017. I wasn't proactive in trying to find that out and. Um, mm. I can still go back to the games that I played really well in that last year. It's when I didn't do the, like I changed my pregame warm-up. I didn't do the last warm-up with the team. I went and sat in the toilet or the uh, the bathroom or whatever and put headphones on and listened to and meditated for six or seven minutes before every game. So, um, yeah, that was, I was I was a bit of a nervous pre-gamer. Um, your standard, don't stuff up, big crowd on TV, all that kind of stuff. So I think playing VFL is a little bit less daunting, obviously. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't have the skills as a player mentally to, to be able to perform, especially when the pressure came. Yeah, no, nah, for, for sure. But I mean, obviously, yeah, you want to pass these things on and, um, routine is, is a wonderful thing. Uh, I think a lot of players go through and they create their own little, um, their own little thing that they do before a game, which is good. And you see a lot of it yep. in all sports around the world like you see the nfl players nba players they all have a specific like routine that they do every single game and and it yeah. is good to have it helps with the mental side of your thing as well like um and gets you in the right mindset and i yeah. think yeah obviously the the players uh did the players take did the players take on can you see the the uh different things that your players are doing yeah uh i i can't see that just yet but i do know that that's how some yeah. players um, feel that they're going to be engaged from the from the first bounce. I guess the the, the hard thing is, I think, I think they're a bit of an oxymoron um, routines and um, rituals because it takes one thing to go out of whack and then you don't do it. Yeah. And how does how does the rest of it play out? Unless you've got the understanding that this habit and routine will help me, but it's not the be all and end all mindset. That that that's okay. But yeah, I've always been a bit. And to and fro in with um with habits, especially pre-game. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And yeah. it certainly is though. Obviously, it works for some people, but as you said, if something goes out out of whack, then, then what happens there? So no, Correct. very true, very true. Something yeah. to think about for sure. Yeah. Um, while coaching, um, have you have you sort of has there been any players that have like had a major injury that you've had sort of had to deal with a little bit more or is that sort of more of a, a medico type thing um, that sort of deals with that um, from that point of it? Point yeah. Of well, I haven't had too much to do with any players just yet um, injury wise. I, I don't think that's a fall to the, goes to the coach sort of thing. I think, yeah, like you yeah, said, no, the that's fair. rehab coach and um, player welfare manager takes on a lot of those, that as well with the psychologist. So they've got a lot of people around there. Sometimes it's, yep, I want to help and how can I help you as a player? But another voice is sometimes not needed either. So so knowing your individual to say that, all right, he might need four or five people to spread the load of, of issues and um, letting stuff out versus now he's got his one or two, he trusts, let's just, let's just leave it at that. So that's the real individual aspect of it. Mm. Um, and once again, it's psych, player development manager, um, rehab coordinator or do a yeah, fantastic job. 
to keep players engaged and professional when uh, things are going hard. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, yeah, you're right. You never want to overload someone. You stick to the few yeah. people that are that they trust and obviously they trust yeah. you, but like they've got yeah. their, their group of people that they, they can feel like they can say everything to and, and get through their rehab and whatnot. Um, I was actually cu- curious, were you always into this the coaching side of things right from a, an early age or did you sort of, d- did it develop along the, along the way? It developed in 2017 when I was playing VFL and I was 26. 25 and I was the oldest player one of the oldest players in the team we probably had five or six players my age and my experience in the AFL that were consistently playing VFL that year there was no injuries at AFL level so both teams were pretty were pretty set and pretty strong so um from that from that perspective I just um yeah I unofficially started just looking after a few of the the young AFL listed backline yeah um like so, Ryan Garthwaite and Marvio Troll were down there early days playing defenders and um, different characters, different footballs. But um, really enjoyed just taking it on. Yeah, and just just it wasn't even a challenge. It was just I think a bit of it as well is if if you do your job, I don't know, I can just do my job. So if I can help you do your job better, I can just do mine. So it was a bit of a a bit of a long term long termer, and you got your good days where. You don't have to do too much. You got your bad days where you feel like you've got to do everything, which hindsight's probably not the, the right thing to do. But um, at the end of that year, when I got delisted, Frank's and Dolph, Dolphins coach Adam Scrubblat called, and I was in Hawaii at the time, and I'd been told I was delisted, and I did not want to answer the phone, so I left him. I left him for two weeks, and then I called him back and said, "Mate, I don't want to play VFL footy." And he goes, "Okay, I was talking about a player coach role," and that kind of just. Triggered, triggered the mind a little bit and I moved back. To, I'm a Frankston boy, so I moved back to Frankston and have a, have a house 500 metres from the club and it, it just seemed too good to be true. So, yeah, um, tried that out for the year and really enjoyed it and from then on was, yeah, really lucky to have landed a coaching job at Saints. So, um, sliding doors moment, very, very lucky and um, don't say no to something that might help you in the future, I reckon. Well, that, that's it. Uh, that's, an, that's an amazing opportunity that sort of just came... Came out of nowhere, I guess. You probably weren't thinking yep. about that sort of thing. And then out, out of the blue, I mean, you wanted to enjoy your time in Hawaii. Who wouldn't? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You almost ruined it by trying to talk about football. <laughs> and I'm sure it was your right answering the phone call after two weeks. Of, uh... <laughs> uh, I'm very, we've spent the last four years together, so I can comfortably say this. He would have been so annoyed and wanted to, wanted to hit me, I reckon, before we, we even met. He would have taken that really poorly. So I'm... He didn't tell me that, but he definitely would have. <laughs> be thinking, be thinking it for sure. No, that's great, and obviously these things come come from nowhere. So that's that's awesome. Obviously, you're doing great stuff at the moment. So it sort of led led you in that in that direction, which is which is fantastic, wonderful. Um, now to finish off the, the podcast, I'd like to do a bit of a uh, a bit of a draft. And we we're talking mm-hmm. pre-show about doing uh, a specific topic. I was thinking we go with. Um, Sport, sporting venues in Australia. All right. Yeah. You can select from uh, an oval to a course to uh, any type of uh, any type of thing you like. Yeah. Uh, in Australia. So, uh, would you like the uh, Would you like the first pick, or would you like me to have the first pick? No, you can have the first pick. Because oh. I think my answer is going to be the same either way. Because I don't think you're going to be choosing what I'm what I'm choosing. <laughs> Mate, probably not. Probably not, I would say, if, you, if, that's, if that's your answer. This is the Under Pressure Draft. Well, what I'll go... Well, look, I'm not going to not 
put it on the list. So I'm going to go with the G. Uh, it's a, a wonderful place. Um, you obviously debuted there, which would have been a, a magnificent, uh, magnificent yeah. thing. Um, and in the round one game as well against uh, against Carl would have been huge. Um, but yeah, it's always it's always a magnificent place to watch and one of the one of if not the best stadium in the world. So I'll kick things yeah. off with a bit of an obvious one. <laughs> no, that's that was probably my number two. I I, th- I don't think you ever get sick of walking out on there. I walked out on there last year before an AFL game, and it was the same. It was, you just look around again, and it was like, oh, how good is this to be back on here again? So I don't think you ever get sick of it. And um, yeah, got some good memories on there. So good pick with your number one. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick uh, Peninsula Kingswood Golf Course. Love it. The North, the North Course. Okay. Uh, played it a couple of times. By far my favourite course in Australia. Uh, I think it's maybe maybe five maybe five or six in Australia at the moment, and it's it's in Frankston. So just another little 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 tick to it as well. <laughs> no, wonderful. Like that. That's a good one. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Um, I'm going to go a bit. I guess you could call it a, a stadium or a a centre more type of thing. But I, I really I really enjoy the tennis. So yep. I'm a big Melbourne Park fan. I think what they've what they've got there and what they've done with that is um, quite amazing. With having 22 plus courts and obviously some amazing um, places around there. So uh, I'm going to go with a bit of a, a bit of a tennis one. Always like to uh, get down and uh, watch the Open every now and then, um, especially the doubles because I'm not much of a singles man myself. <laughs> you can always blame yep. someone else. So yep. you know. <laughs> yep. yeah, I'm going to go with Melbourne Park. I think. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Adelaide Oval for pick number four. Yeah, it's, good one. I didn't know whether to pick that one or not. <laughs> it's not. It's not far behind MCG. It's yeah, yeah. If you can play for Port Adelaide or Adelaide and get a home home game there every week, every second week, it would be outstanding. I'm very envious of those two teams um, to be able to play home games there with fifty thousand screaming supporters. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. I couldn't agree more. That's that was definitely on my list. It's obviously since moving to Adelaide Oval from uh, Amy Stadium, the uh, yeah. the amount of crowd noise that happens there, and obviously happening. Um, recording it on a, recording this on a Friday afternoon. The showdowns tonight. So, oh, is it? I didn't even know that. Okay, there you go. That's yeah, showdown. Getting off the couch now. Perfect. <laughs> bit of a weird, bit of a weird happening. They got two Friday night games on tonight, which is a bit strange. Oh, have they? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Melbourne, uh, Melbourne Essendon, Essendon. That'll be, that should be a good game, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, Essendon can get back. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely would be nice. Would be nice. Um, uh, number three, oh, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be a little bit biased. I'm a Geelong man, so I'm gonna go with uh, GMHBA Stadium or Cadinia Park or okay. or whatever. I've been down there plenty of times, and uh, I love yep. the uh, atmosphere of like a. It's almost like a obviously a local, lots of locals down there, and um, yeah, yeah, it's nice to have a, a town with a with its own AFL team, which is a bit cool. So yeah, um, yeah I'm going to go with uh, GMHBA and all the other names that it's had uh, previously. Yeah, everything else, Skilled <laughs> and Shell, and yep. <laughs> um, number three for me, Optus Stadium. Oh, good choice. Good choice. There's an asterisk there. I've never been there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've seen enough on TV. 
<laughs> it does look amazing, doesn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just yeah. one of those things you, you don't even have to be there to realize how good it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, oh, what am I gonna go here? I think I I'm know. gonna go. I think we got two more each, yeah? Yeah. Two more each. Bit of a weird. Bit of a weird one. I'm going to stick stick in Melbourne, but mainly because it has it has so many different sports that get played out. I'm going to go with Amy Park. Uh, I really like Amy Park. I think it's um obviously a bit of a bit of an odd one being uh, probably yeah. the third prong stadium here in in Victoria. But yeah, the yeah. play play soccer, rugby league, um, rugby union as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's a bit of a different stadium, I think. Um, it's definitely one to get to, I think. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, I'm a big fan of the Melbourne Storm, so head there a little bit um, to watch those guys. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it has a great atmosphere, I think, um, in that stadium, and um, they can do a lot with it. So, yeah, Amy Park for that one. I like it. Nice pick. Mm. Oh. I'm going to go Kuyong. Oh, yeah, good choice. Oh, good for history. Grass courts. Oh, that's a good um, Classic and Heineken Classic were there and growing oh, up used to be a big tennis player and just a bit of nostalgia with the Kuyong. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love that pick. That's a great pick. Um, sad, I, don't, I didn't actually think about that. I remember going to those Kuyong Classics. You get all these famous people playing in an exhibition tournament. It's great. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, Kuyong's great. I love that one. Now, I've got a bit of an asterisk on my my last one. Uh, I think okay. I love, love it from what it's brought uh, the sport of cricket, uh, yeah. the wacker. I'm going to go with the wacker. The wacker okay. probably doesn't yeah. have as many seats or as many. Um, <laughs> but it's got a hill. It's got it's got a bit of everything. It's a it's a bit yeah. different. Um, obviously, there's been plenty of uh, cracking test matches there um, yeah. over the time. And yeah, I'm a big cricket fan, so um, yeah, I'm going to go with the wacker. Wacker for my last okay. one. Good mixture of sports and. Very couple of boutique stadiums in there for you. That's um, <laughs> a bit odd like that. <laughs> yeah, we all are. It's all good. <laughs> I'm going to go Bruce Park Oval. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is where I played my junior football and oh, right next to where I played my junior tennis. So I uh-huh. um, haven't been back there in a long time because there's no senior team, but um, first memories of football. That's where they uh-huh. were, so... That's wonderful. Probably should have made it number one, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It's a heartfelt selection. As long as it's in Correct. there, that's all that matters, I think. Correct. That's, that's all it. that matters. Uh, that's awesome. Good, good selection. I did. I do want to ask a quick question. Um, obviously, you're still involved in um, a lot of a lot of football. Um, do, you, mm-hmm. do you get time to just sit down and, and watch the game? Are you are you a big fan of watching the game, or are you just zoning um, into the coaching? How many people will, will listen to this? <laughs> we'll find uh, out with your answer, probably. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not and have never been a huge, huge football fanatic. Yeah. Um, I love working with people. I love helping people. Um, and I love that I can give some sort of wisdom on what has been done before and some areas to maybe avoid or work on. Um, I still watch the footy and I'll still go to the footy every now and then with mates, but it's, it's not my life. And I'm proud to say that it's, it's, it's yeah. a part of my life. And um, I've got family, I've got friends, 
I got golf, like all this, all that, all this other stuff that I love doing and love seeing. Yeah. Um, footy's a big part of my life. So whenever it's not around, it's yeah, it's it's how can we make foot, keep footy a big part of my life while not not overloading it. Yeah. Hopefully, rats doesn't hit, doesn't listen to this and doesn't hear that because I'll get the sack tomorrow. I reckon so. <laughs> If you need me to, I can uh, <laughs> I can shift it out. If you need, <laughs> all good. No, it's. I think it's. I think more people need to talk about it. That it's. Yeah. And everyone from the outside thinks whether you're a player or a, or a co- coach or admin staff or strength and conditioning. Just geez, your life must just be footy, 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 footy. It's all you want to do. You just love it all the time. There's great aspects to it. Mm. Um, but like every job, we need balance. Not just yeah. with our job, with our life. Like we need balance with things that we love, things that challenge us, and footy's a, footy's a bit of both. So we sometimes need things just to counteract that. No, that's it. No, I'm um, Matty Stokes on a couple of episodes ago, and he said the same thing. He's just yeah, not too like he still loves the game, but um, yeah. like uh, he's not too too zoned in, too zoned in. Yeah. He obviously has the clubs, club that he loves and and whatnot, and I'm sure you yeah. do. Um, you got yeah. Richmond down there deep deep inside, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. It, it, you need other parts of your life, and it's what you were saying before. With uh, it's about being being yourself first, being a person first, rather than being that AFL player or or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. good good mantra to live by, I reckon. I think rats will be fine with that. Don't worry. <laughs> for sure. Um, that's just about it, mate. Um, thanks so much for for coming on and having a, a chat with myself. It's been. Uh, Fantastic. Lots of insight and um, wonderful, wonderful words of wisdom that I'll certainly take. And I'm sure some of the listeners uh, will as well. So thanks again for, for coming on and, um, and providing that, mate. Thanks for having me, Jake. I really appreciate it. No worries. And, and remember to uh, like, share and subscribe all our socials, as well as like and sharing the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Once again, thanks to Jake for joining us and we'll see you on the next. The Under Pressure Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to subscribe and share it with all your friends and family. And while you're at it, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at underpressure1 underscore and underpressurepodcast on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next.